Hey, it's rocker Frank Palangi here from upstate New York. You're listening to The David Bauer Show. And now, around the world and around the corner, it's the David Bowers Awards, bringing the best in indie music to millions of listeners worldwide with your host, the David Bowers. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests, our entire crew here at the Asylum, and me, I'm John Bon Jovial. And now, here's the voice of indie music, the David Bowers. Thank you very much, John Bon Jovial, oh legendary one. Thank you also, Frank Palangi from upstate New York. I have a hunch we're going to be hearing from him in the not-too-far-distant future. He's been working on some new music, and it'd be good to have him come back and join us on the show. John Bon Jovial, how are you doing this week? Ah, well, it's an interesting week here in the swampland of southwest Florida in that uh, we actually got a nice dose of winter. Temperatures went down to the upper 30s over the uh, this past weekend, which is almost unheard of for here. Although, you know, upper 30s in upstate New York would be nothing this time of year. But it's kind of funny to see people when it does warm up during the day into the 50s or the 60s, and they're going around with their parkas on, and they got the mufflers around their neck, and and their gloves, and we've got a little of the same here. Of course, we've getting those, uh, getting the fringes of those California atmospheric rivers that are bringing in all the cold air and rain. So um, we'll be lucky to hit 60 this week, which is kind of cool for us. And the overnights get down in the 30s and 40s. So that's uh, that's cold by our standards. Okay, but uh, hey, be that as it may, we're here to rock and roll, and we've got a new track for you right now. Mm-hmm. Young lady by the name of Chesney Clare, who is a, uh, well, she's quite a talent, a pop singer, songwriter, producer. We'll talk about her in a little bit. She got together with a K-pop, R&B, hip-hop star from South Korea, and they came up with this banger. Let's listen. Here's Chesney Clare and Howlin' with Cruisin'.
Cruisin'. That's Chesney Clare with Halin. Now, there's not too much known about Halin, except that he's a South Korean R&B and hip-hop star. And I have a hunch listening to that and knowing how K-pop is overtaking the pop market. I imagine you'll be hearing more from him in the not-too-far-distant future. And uh, Chesney, what can we say? Uh, well, we're going to start calling her an A-pop star because we've got K-pop for Korean artists, J-pop for Japanese artists. Why not A-pop for American artists? So A-pop star Chesney Clare is a 21-year-old award-winning singer, songwriter, and producer. She's a full-time musician, an actress, a model, jumping from red carpet to red carpet events. That's what's been happening for her lately. In the last couple of weeks, she's walked the red carpet and was presenter for Best Set Design at the La Jolla, California Fashion and Film Festival. A few days later, she was in Atlanta presenting awards on the red carpet for the International Singer-Songwriters Association, and on and on it goes. You're going to be hearing a lot more from Chesney Clare, believe me. And if you're in, if you're in Interior, California in uh, February, you get a chance to see her in person. She'll be appearing at the San Manuel Resort Casino in Highland, California, February 10th and 11th with Robert Abernathy. John Bon Jovial, your opinion of cruising. Well, she definitely has a commercial sound going for her. It's a good dance tune. Uh, as I think our audience knows, uh, personally, uh, a hip-hop sound is not always my cup of tea, but, you know, I recognize talent when I hear it. And this has got such a great commercial sound that if she can make a breakthrough on any of the R&B and hip-hop stations in the country or up in Canada or over in Europe, uh, she'll have something going for herself because she certainly has the ingredients there. Absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, a hardcore hip-hop or rap song, it's definitely got uh, pop basics to it. And I think that will serve her well, especially in getting crossover between the pop, hip-hop, and, uh, and some of the marginal genre categories. So I think, she'll get, uh, I think she'll get some good action if they get that tune out there and uh, get people to listen to it. We want to thank Titty Bingo, our house band, for our theme music. Be sure and check them out at tittybingo.com. They keep their latest releases on there, so you can check them out, too. Great stuff. Always time to play Titty Bingo. We also want to salute our friends at Rochester Free Radio, including Steve Litvak's Rock and Roll Rumble Show that follows the David Bowers Awards Saturdays on Rochester Free Radio. And then after Steve comes Armand Spins. A lot of great rock and roll music on WRFZ FM 106.3 in Rochester, New York. Rochester Free Radio. And also don't forget, Oldies Night, Saturday Night, Jeff Moulton, ABC Oldies, Saturday evenings at 8 Eastern Time on Rochester Free Radio. And John Bon Jovial, what about our friends that carry us on Anchor FM? Well, Anchor FM is a pretty cool podcast carrier, not to say that the others aren't, but these guys are a little unique in that uh, you have an opportunity, after listening to the David Bowers Awards, to make a donation if you are so inclined. There's some huge talent out there, and they need all the help that they can get, and we are proud to be part of that. So at the end of this episode, on Anchor FM, you want to click on the donation button that will pop up, and you'll find it on this episode and each and every episode of the David Bowers Awards. That's Anchor FM. 
and we'd really appreciate it. David. Thank you very much, John Bon Jovi. We have our first guest standing by, waiting to come on and talk with us, so we're going to get right to it. He is a, uh, well, let's say he's a self-made artist, and we'll talk more about it when we bring in David Perry after we listen to his tune, There Was a Time. This has taken me back to the early days of my radio career. John Bon Jovi, do do you believe it? Two tunes in a row that were under three minutes long. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't have time to take a break in between. So let's bring the man right on in here right now. David Perry, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, so glad to have you. And I I love your story. It's one of the things that caught my attention. Uh, You you have a, uh, well, it's not a totally unique story, but I think it's something that our listeners who are, you know, emerging artists who are starting their career may be very interested in catching. First off, let's familiarize ourselves with who David Perry is, where you came from, how you got involved in music. Well, I... um... I'm going to date myself here, but <laughs> I first thing that got me into music was uh, Ricky Nelson. 
Oh. When I was a young teenager, maybe 10 or 11 years old, I was I used to hear uh, see Ricky sing at the end of the Ozzy and Harriet show, which mm-hmm. probably most of your listeners have never even heard of. <laughs> but anyway, I was a fan of him, and uh, and then I had, my father played guitar. He was a, a played stand up bass and jazz bands around uh, New Haven, Connecticut, where I grew up, and. Uh, one day on the uh, summer of 1963, I figured out how to play Wipeout, which was a big hit that summer, on, right. my, uh, on a little ukulele that my uncle had given me for Christmas. Oh, boy. <laughs> so then I grabbed my father's guitar, and I figured out how to play it on that. And uh, then my father showed me some chords. But what really changed my life, like so many other musicians that, you know, became famous in the 60s and 70s and 80s was seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And uh, I was totally hooked at that point. And um, I just knew at that point that I wanted to make music my life and uh, become a better guitar player and a songwriter, singer. So that's kind of how it all started. Well, I can understand that, and you fit right in with uh, my co-host John Bon Jovial and myself because that was the same period of time that we were discovering we didn't have enough musical talents to be rock stars, so we went to the other side and decided, well, if we can't sing or play them, we'll play their discs on the radio. I, I, I love your story, and I get the impression there that a lot of what you have accomplished has been self-taught, self-made. Yeah, I um, I also, you know, I was playing guitar, and then I taught myself how to play piano, and my father had this um, voice of music tape recorder that could do this thing called Add-A-Track, where you could record something on the left channel and then add something in sync on the right channel. So that was like, you know, a very early uh, multi-track recording type of thing. And I taught myself how to play bass and drums, and I started playing in some local bands, and I was in a band called Jake's Hope, and we had high hopes of making it big, but uh, we did all originals, but unfortunately that didn't happen. I was actually uh, fired from the band after about a year. <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, the last couple of weeks that I was in the band, we, they had fired the lead singer that we had, and they hired um, a guy named Michael Belotin be the new lead singer who quite a few years later shortened his name to Michael Bolton. Hmm. I'm sure you've heard of. I've heard that name before. Anyway, so I was, I was out of that band and uh, I decided that I'd spent a year of my life trying to make it with a band all, all for naught and I wasn't going to rely on other people anymore and I was just going to become a one-man band and, and do everything myself. So I started doing... Uh, my own recordings, I had gotten a Tanberg tape recorder, which would allowed me to bounce, continue to bounce back and forth. So I would, you know, do completed songs where I played it and sang all the parts. I did get a recording offer at one point from uh, Paramount Records. This was probably around 1970, 1971. But unfortunately, they closed down the music division before anything could happen with that. So that's... That's what happened there. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Uh, when I was in upstate New York radio, I applied for a job at a station in New Haven and uh, did not get it. Wound up going to WTRY in Troy, New York, which at that time was an AM-FM combo, and uh, got to work with a guy by the name of Bill Rock, who went on to some very big and better things in New York City and also... Uh, doing Elvis radio on Sirius XM. He uh, 
started the show and was the only voice of Elvis Radio for, gosh, I don't know how many years, a long time there. So we have, a, we have an indirect connection there. And I have a connection with a buddy of mine who we worked in radio together back in Tampa. His name is John Bon Jovial, and he's here with us. John, come on in and say hello. David, welcome to the show. It really is pretty cool Thank to you. have you here. And, uh, yeah, David and I, we, uh, we worked together uh, in Tampa, low those many years ago, and uh, doing country music. Uh, of course, back then in the 70s, Tampa was a huge country and western market, um, and we took full advantage of that. But I want to welcome you to the show, and I want to talk about uh, there was a time for just a moment and I like this song. I, it's just got a good driving beat to it. It's got a nice happy feel to it. And uh, I don't know where you got your influences to put this together. And, and please correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you hadn't thought about it. But you know, at the very beginning of the of the song, I, I heard what could have been uh, an influence by uh, on the opening by the Grateful Dead. And then the rest of the song, to me, it sounded like it could have been an influence from Three Dog Night, which is kind of a strange mashup, but to me it worked. <laughs> a- am I close huh. here, or am I like just what uh, face? I don't, I don't think you could be any further off. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely no. Oh my God, brutal honesty. <laughs> and definitely no uh, Three Dog Night. The, actually, I would say it was a, there was a strong influence of. Um, Paul McCartney, when he was doing a lot of those, you know, piano shuffle, you know, swing type songs like Penny Lane and Your Mother Should Know, and you know, with the piano says da 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 da. Yeah, that kind of the thing. mother should know. So that was yeah. that was the that was the big influence yeah, I there. Yeah, that too. Now, now that you mention it, yeah, I can hear that. Now, David, the thing that caught my attention was I not only listened to some of your music, but I watched some of your videos. And you have progressed from the self-taught guitar player who learned on a ukulele and converted it to multi-track recordings before its time. Uh, You have progressed to the point where you not only do multiple music tracks and voice tracks, but you also lay them down in videos. How did you progress to the point where you became basically your own producer? Well, I had gotten a job as I had built my own recording studio in my parents' basement uh, in the in the late '60s and well, yeah, in the early '70s. And then I went to work for a guy that owned a recording studio in New Haven, and I worked for him for a while. And then he moved the studio out to Seattle, which is what got me out to Seattle. And then I was sort of engineering a lot of different other bands and uh, working with a lot of artists. Uh, I worked with some people that weren't famous at the time, but did become famous later on. Like I used to hire Kenny G to come in and play sax on some of the stuff I was doing. And uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, I hired uh, one time to do something. And um, I produced an album for uh, Meredith Brooks before she had her big hit. So I was pretty well versed in studio techniques and all that. And, um, I did take a break from music for a while and got into doing some video production, video editing, and that's kind of where I learned the um, the skills that I have. Like I use Final Cut Pro, which is a Mac video editing software system, and I use Pro Tools for the music. Well, you certainly have come a long way, and that's what 
I really wanted to emphasize because we have a lot of followers and listeners who are emerging artists, artists who are on the cusp of deciding, well, I'm going to go and make music at least a hobby, if not my career. And I was really interested in your progression from your early days to where you are now and uh, where you're really doing it all. What have you found to be the biggest challenge to your progression? Um, The biggest challenge is um, just trying to get more people to listen to what I'm doing. I've got right now, I've got about 7,500 subscribers to my YouTube channel, which is David Perry tunes. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people would consider that to be a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But nowadays that's, that's like nothing, especially financially. It's like pennies that come in from, from YouTube. Um, You know, people that make money on YouTube are getting like, you know, millions of hits. So, so that's the biggest struggle right now for me is just trying to figure out how to get more, um, more subscribers, the people that do come to the channel and, uh, you know, I get a lot of really nice compliments on what I'm doing. So that's great. Um, so the trick is to just try to get more. Right. That's something that we have discussed many times. The idea is to get your tunes into the ears of as many people as you possibly can. And that's one of the things John and I have tried to foster with the David Bowers awards is, you know, one more stage for indie emerging artists to show off their talents and music and uh, reach some new listeners, and if we can do that, then we figure it's a uh, it's a pay it forward, pay it backwards uh, type of thing. We're paying back the artist whose music we played to raise our families and live on all those years, and uh, we're paying it forward to the new artists, giving them uh, again one more stage to perform on and get their music out there to new ears. What have you found so far has worked the best for you? as far as reaching new ears? Well, uh, what's worked the best for me has been Twitter. Uh, I've tried using some YouTube promotion companies. You know, and they, they generate a lot of hits, but it doesn't translate into sub- subscribers or comments. It's like people click on an ad or something, and maybe they watch for a few seconds, and then, and then they're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But I've used uh, Twitter. Um, there's, a, there's a program I use that helps me to, to uh, recommends who I should follow, and then the idea is you follow a lot of people, and hopefully a lot of them follow you back. Right. And then I, I'll do like a mass mailing of the, every time I put up a new music video, I'll do a mass mailing to all of my Twitter followers, and then most of them will, you know, listen to the song and you know comment. So that's been, uh, I'd say, about ninety percent of the comments that I get on my music come from uh, the Twitter followers. Haven't really done anything with Instagram. Uh, That's interesting. We have had, uh, of course, we've been on Twitter a lot longer than we've been on Instagram, but Instagram has really come on for us over the last few years. Now, uh, how how do you go about interacting with these people when you first get in touch, when they first contact you and say, hey, I saw this track of yours, I love it. How do you, How do you get into interaction with them? Well, I go through, unfortunately, and maybe somebody, maybe Elon Musk is listening, <laughs> because one of the things that really irks me about Twitter is when you go through your messages, it doesn't, you can't separate your, your inbox from your outbox. So it's all one list. So because I'm doing a mass mailing, sometimes I have to scroll through 100 
emails that I send out before I get one, before I see one that, you know, is a response, you know, back to me. So then I'll respond to those people, but it's just, it's just a tedious process to keep scrolling through and, you know, through the, all the names of the messages that I send out to people that didn't respond to get to the one right. that did respond. And sometimes well, I know. they'll just, you know, they'll just click like a happy face or something and I'll just, I'll just right. type in thank you. you know. But if right. they make a, you know, more lengthy comment, then I'll, I'll respond back. And likewise. Well, at least I'll give them credit for making it a lot simpler than what the heck ever Facebook is doing because their new program they've got with the, the meta professional dashboard and the ability to post here, but you can't do it from there. You have to switch to another crazy. I'm, I'm, I would hire me somebody to come in and explain it to me if I could. John Bon Jovial, you look like you want to explain something. Well, actually more of a a question or ask an impression. Uh, And that is David with, with Twitter. Now, by my own admission, I'm not much of a twit face, if you will, although some people might argue that. But uh, I, don't, I don't really uh, – I, I, I may climb on Twitter occasionally just to see what's going on. Uh, but being the dinosaur that I am, uh, you know, I look at it, and to me, I don't know, a 21st century version of the old AOL chat rooms. It was like a free-for-all, and, you know, you'd have to comb through – you know, dozens and dozens of comments to maybe find an answer to a question that you may have put out. Uh, do you find that to still be true? Um, I'm not quite sure what you what you mean. I I never used AOL chat rooms, <laughs> um, uh, but I you know I just I I I just post up the whenever I do a new video I just I post it up there on Twitter, and then I'll I'll use the program that I that I have that does like the mass mailing and I'll just send it out to everybody. Hey, I got a new video out there. And, you know, I'd say maybe one in 20 will respond and listen to the song and, and leave a comment. Yeah. That's not, that's not bad response in this day and age. And we understand the, uh, well, the short attention span that has been created by the internet and social media specifically. Um, example, we cut our show down. It was originally back, uh, back in the dark ages, this was a two-hour show. We cut it down to one hour with two segments, and this segment is uh-huh. quickly running out. So I want to give you a chance to come in here and sell yourself. Tell the folks how they can find you online, how they can follow you, and, of course, how they can get your music. Okay. Well, uh, the easiest thing is probably my YouTube channel, which, which is uh, David Perry Tunes. And I also have a website, David Perry Tunes, and uh, I'm also on Patreon at also David Perry Tunes. And my email is davidperrytunes at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah. I love an artist who has consistency in his accessibility. Your, all of your links are David Perry Tunes, and that is super. I, it is just so hard uh, for an artist to go and for people to follow one that has, a, you know, it's David Perry tunes here and it's the real David Perry over there. And you can stop and think now, which name is which name? Is this the right David Perry? Right. And there happens to be more than one David Perry. So I caught on to that it's, real quick, but uh, 
There you lots go. and lots of David Perry's. I mean, I missed I missed David Perry dot com by maybe like a month. I was able to get davidperry.net, which I had which I don't use for anything, but there's a guy up in San Francisco that owns davidperry.com, so Right. <laughs> I offered him money for it one time and he uses it for his business, so <laughs> Yeah, that happens. Well at least David Perry Tunes works. At least you're one of the few David Perry's in the music and uh David Perry Tunes works very well for you. And David, we want to thank you for working with us and coming and spending some time and talking with us. I recommend to any of my listeners who are aspiring artists and would like to follow someone that has done it, that has come up from, you know, from the, from the basement, started with literally in the basement, uh, learning how to play a ukulele and working his way up to where he's now doing his own videos, which you can see on YouTube and uh, all the music to go with them. Follow David Perry Tunes. You can't go wrong there, and you might even want to drop him a line and thank him for showing you how it's done. David, thank you again. We look forward to you keeping in touch. You're part of our family now. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Perry with Trouble Coming.
trouble coming. It's David Perry from David Perry Tunes, and we thank you, David, for joining us right here on the David Bowers Awards, where we have some old friends of ours back for, well, for a little bit of a reunion. It's been a while, and we want to welcome back the Cranberry Merchants, who we'll be talking to right after we listen to Walkabout.
Alrighty, that's a, that's a great sound and very unique. And here are the unique couple who did that for you. They call themselves the Cranberry Merchants. Come on in here, Steve and Diane. Oh, thank you for having us on. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. And uh, like I was telling John Bon Jovial before the show, uh, when I can't remember the last time you were on the show, it's been too long. We're glad to have you back. Don't stay away so long next time. Absolutely. Now, this walkabout is your current hit, and it's it's getting a lot of action. Uh, tell us about the tune itself. Uh, it's uh, uh, something we've been working on for some time now. We knew that we wanted to have an Australian flavor to it, and um, we just kind of finally sat down with it and, and uh, kind of worked out all the, the fine details to it, and um the idea of a walkabout is kind of a, a spirit quest, and we like that idea for a uh, from a lyrical standpoint. And it, it's kind of like where you're uh, you go off to try and find out where you fit into the world, and you know uh, what your life is supposed to be about, and that kind of thing. And I, I guess all of us go through that at one point or another. And we just thought it was really a um, good idea for uh, lyric material, and we put in all the Australian elements we could to kind of bring the listener along with us for the trip. And it absolutely works there. Thing that I wanted to uh thing I want to ask about now you're you know, because the world has to have pigeonholes, you are categorized or genreized as rock. Now yeah. th- this I don't know, if it were me, I might almost I don't know. I, I'm thinking alternative rock. It just doesn't fit into the conventional cubby holds. How do you create the sound that you have in your music? Well, I, uh, I think we, we have a comfort zone, but I mean, uh, uh, Diane, what do you, what's your opinion? Well, I, I mean, I would agree. I, I would go with alternative rock because really no two of our songs really sound alike in terms of having a particular sound. Uh, because we we actually come from a pretty eclectic uh, background as far as the the genres of music that we grew up listening to, um, and you know what influences us. Because we, uh, you know, Steve grew up listening to a lot of classic rock, where I grew up listening to a lot of like new wave music from the '80s and that type of thing. So, uh, it, you know, it's kind of those two worlds uh, colliding that uh, you know give, give us the different sounds of our songs. Well, I love the background, and I, I love to know the details about where you came from, how you got the sound that you have. And I know John Bon Jovial loves to get into that, and so I'm going to bring him in here right now. John, ask your proverbial question. <laughs> My proverbial question. Well, the song, first of all, I, I, I love it. I love the Australian influence. Uh, I love that steady driving beat. It's good driving music. And, and I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's my washing machine rocking out on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, and, and I mean that as the highest form of compliment. I really do like the, the song. You guys have done a very nice job on that. And I've been at John's I'm, house and used his to washing it. machine, so I know what he was talking about. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but in, in listening to this, I, you know, I, I look at things from a more technical point of view. Uh, in addition to just personal tastes and music that I like or don't like. Uh, and 
in listening to the production values on this, it, it does sound to me like you used a combination of digital and analog. And uh, am I right there, or am I kind of off base? Uh, actually, it, it was all recorded digitally, um, but we were, I guess, that type of uh, like guitar riff that is the main hook had kind of a, uh, well, I thought it almost had kind of a ZZ Top feel to it. So, uh, you know, when when mixing the song, we wanted to kind of give it a little bit of that old school rock kind of rough sound to it. But uh, like the, the drums, for example, that's actually a digital drum kit that I'm playing on. So it, wow. it is actually really? a, wow. pretty much pure digital, you know, except for, um, you know, the, the guitar just, you know, going in by line. But um yeah we but we tried to uh create uh, I, I guess a little bit of a that kind of tribal feel to it and maybe that's what gives it more of an analog vibe you know uh, to, to the sound that that could very well be the case because that's what i was listening for i always listen to try to figure out you know what kind of recording techniques are used uh but the just the fact that you did something so unusual in using this australian influence in the drum beat uh, and the guitar riff uh, that's in there and I know that there's a name for it the Australia I don't know if it's didgeridoo I honestly I don't remember what it yeah. is yeah but yeah that, the, that is the, 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 the okay the use of that is so unique in my mind's eye that uh, I, I can't okay you, you mentioned ZZ talk yeah now that you mentioned that I can see that uh, but I always try to analyze you know who's doing uh, who, who's influencing any one particular, you know, musical act? And I couldn't come up with anything other than the fact, well, okay, they've been to Australia. That's cool. It's a place I've always wanted to go to and never been to. Uh, well, it's not but, men down you know, under, it, that's for sure. <laughs> the, to, to me, it is so unique and so unusual, and to me, that's what makes it so special. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So I guess... You, you you may well, have uh, up, baby. you you may have uh, changed John Bon Jovial's thinking just a little bit, tweaked his thoughts, because uh, you, you've kind of proved that digital sound can be made to have an analog reality to them, and uh, that's you really can, you, interesting. You, know, you can absolutely emulate, yeah, you can emulate the sound, but uh, uh, to me, there's just nothing like the, the the warmth of a real pure analog recording that. Uh, uh, that, that digital can come close to, certainly. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Uh, there is a record that was produced, you know, came out many years ago, and it was in the cutout bins because it never did anything. It was called uh, the, uh, the, the the Essential Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. And on there, there's a song called Affair on 8th Avenue. And I can remember many years ago playing doing an A-B comparison for my son, I had him listen to the CD, because I had the same thing on CD, and then I had him listen to, you know, it was remastered. Then I had him listen to the uh, the original analog recording on the record. And uh, there was there was a difference in that the CD, I don't know if this sounds weird, it was too clean. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of sterile. Yeah, uh, yeah sterile. Yeah, I think work. that's the... Uh, I think that's the yeah. easiest way to uh, to uh, look at it. The the, uh, the digital sound can be too sterile sounding. It just doesn't have the the warmth. I mean, 
It's like going to a lady's home and sitting and talking with her as opposed to going to a lady's home and sitting on the sofa and holding each other. It's just a totally different feel to it. <laughs> I think it was especially and, the and, case and, when and, they and, first started doing the uh, uh, transfers to CD, like when CDs first came out. Uh, I think a lot of them had that very sterile kind of sound to them. Right. But uh, they've gotten a lot better with it. So. And, and that's the thing about Walkabout is that it doesn't have that quality to it, and I'm really glad that it doesn't have that sterile yeah, feel. Yeah, it, it has, it has the, warmth. Yeah, the, the quest for clean, sterility, perfection in sound actually wasn't what people want. They want the warmth of the real sound. And uh, otherwise, why would they go to live concerts? Right, Agreed. right. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yep, there yeah. you go. And uh, it was a great experiment, and I think it did prove its worth in advancing the quality of sound technique to the point where you can get much better sound now than you could 20, 30 years ago. I think it's reached a um, point of moderation there where people are taking it and saying, okay, we can tweak with digital, but we want to retain the warmth of analog. And I I think that's an important thing. Now, you guys are coming out as our most artists uh, of this period of isolationism we had called COVID. What have you been (laughs) doing since we've been coming out of our caves and getting back into the real world? Uh, well, we're always kind of in our caves because it's only the two of us, so we weren't like a touring act that got the brakes put on us. We, uh, I guess both of us are kind of hermits in a way. I mean, we kind of stick to ourselves and uh, stick close to home, and it, it didn't really <laughs> didn't really change us up too much at all, really. I mean, as far as how we, we wrote, how we uh, looked at the music, how we did our social media uh, outreach and everything. We just kind of kept plugging away with that. Um, I know a lot of live musicians were doing the whole back porch concert kind of thing with their cell phones and everything, and we just uh, kept plugging away on all the, the different social media we could to let people know, yeah, we're still here and we're still working. Well, and, and I think it also helped that, you know, as a married couple, too, we're we're in the same household, so it's not like we were separated from our bandmates or anything. Yeah. Right. So we could, you know, kind of continue on as, as we had been. How do you how do you like working as a married couple? Overall, obviously you like it or you wouldn't still be doing it. I mean, I I think it works out great. I mean, personally, uh you know, I like being able to work on a song idea and my partner is, you know, always here at, at my disposal uh anytime, you know, we want to work on an idea, but also uh, I mean, I think we've both found that we don't really have uh, a musical chemistry with anyone else like we do with each other. Um, and I, maybe it's that, that closer personal bond that creates that. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. But, I, I mean, we, we are kind of at a point. Uh, I mean, we've been together over 30 years. So, you know, we can kind of tune in on what the other is thinking for the most part. And, you know, it's easy for us to get on the same page. Yeah, it, it's gotten us this far. So, Absolutely. It seems to be working, and that's a great thing. What are you doing next? What do you got coming up in the near future? Uh, well, uh, we've got several things on the burners. I guess there are a lot of uh, things that are in different stages of completion. Um, uh, 
I don't know, Diane. Do you have any ideas of something you'd like to focus on? Uh, well, we're you know we're always working on on videos, and uh, right now we're we're just kind of toying around with some ideas uh, to do a video for Walkabout, maybe sometime in the near future. But we're we're not even in the production stages of anything like that yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely uh, would uh, like to put out a, a new single probably in the spring. And um, we, on average, put out a, you know about two, three singles a year, so we're we're definitely on schedule for that. Fantastic. Now, before we let you go, as I do with all our guests, I give you a chance to tell the folks how they can find you, keep in touch with you, follow you, drop you a line if they want, and uh, most importantly, how they can actually get your music. Okay. Uh, well, the easiest is our website, which is cranberrymerchants.com, and that's a good jumping-off point to uh, YouTube, to Spotify, to all of our uh, social media. We're on um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can also uh, find us on iTunes, Amazon for downloads. We're, we're pretty much everywhere. Great. And don't forget, we have the David Bowers Awards groups page on Facebook, which we've had up there forever, I think, since there's been an Internet. And uh, that's kind of our jumping off spot. That's open to all of our guests and, for that matter, indie artists all over the world to post your information, your releases, tours, uh, whatever you're doing that you want to share with your followers. And we will pick it up from there and share it with all the other places that we repost. So hopefully pick you up some new ears to listen to your music. Fabulous. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. And thank you for coming and spending time with us. Don't forget us. Once you're on the show, you're part of our family. So we'd like to hear from you. Keep in touch. And we'd like you to come back again. Excellent. We'd love to. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diane and Steve. They call themselves Cranberry Merchants, and here's one of their previous tunes I think you're going to like. It's called Radioactive.
radioactive cranberry merchants, and who would have thought of that? That's crazy, man. I, I never would have thought of a didgeridoo, which I'm familiar with, and I love the unique sound of them, but I never would have thought of mashing them up with a harder alternative rock. Oh, no, that's just such a weird and unique <laughs> combination, and and you're right. I'm with you. I would have never thought of it, and, and the cool thing is, it works. It works. I mean, I'm thinking it for works. crying out loud, if Jimi Hendrix had only thought of that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that is, uh, that's so basic, you wonder why some Australian rock artists haven't uh, thought of that sooner. Maybe they have, and we just haven't heard of them, but Cranberry Merchants did it. Thank you so much for coming and spending time with us today, Diane and Steve. And thank you, listeners, for joining us once again. We want to thank this week's guests, the Cranberry Merchants, whom you just heard, and David Perry, who you heard before that, John Bon Jovial. I think it's time for you to take us home. That's right. Time to hit the long and dusty. And, folks, thank you so much. You've done it again. You spent another perfectly good hour with us here at the David Bowers Awards. And we really are very, very grateful for your presence each and every week. The David Bowers Awards is broadcast around the world from the studios of Computer Help USA in Naples, Florida, and, of course, from the Valley of the Sun in Tempe, Arizona. And we are available for free on most of the streaming services. Be sure to join us next week for the David Bowers Awards Saturday on WRFZ FM 106.3 on your FM radio dial in Rochester, New York, otherwise known as Rochester Free Radio, and that's at noon Eastern, and then again on Blog Talk Radio Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and 7 p.m. UTC. So until next week. For the David Bowers and Hopalong Sarcassity and all of our crew of uh, morons here at the Radio Ranchero, I am the legendary John Bon Jovial saying, uh, you know, love each other, be good to each other, get that COVID shot if you haven't done it yet, and we'll see you next week right here on the David Bowers Awards.